want to talk about a subject that affects a lot of people that probably uh, at some point in time everybody experience. You're probably thinking I'm going to talk about sin because that does affect all of us at different times. But I want to talk to you because there's a whole lot of scriptures that are given to address this particular topic. Fear not. Fear not. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear thou not. Then he tells us why that we're not to fear. Fear is one of Satan's tactics. Fear causes us to be ineffective. It paralyzes us. It removes us from being able to be diligent to serve the Lord and to be effective. Fear can take over and it can affect our life in a terrible, terrible way. We're taught right here in the book of Isaiah that we're not to fear. And then he tells us why we're not to fear. One of Satan's main targets, one of his fiery darts that he attacks is that of fear. And right now there's a whole lot of followers that are promoting a message of fear. God's people can be encouraged that there's something better than that. I had a boss when I first started working in the public, very young, 15, 16 years of age, that one of his tactics to motivate was that of fear. And I really thought that's probably the only way to motivate people to work because I had experienced that. And I don't know if that was a pride issue. I don't know if that's maybe what he had been taught. I don't know if it was because it was fairly effective. It was for me. But it's not a very pleasant situation when you're motivated solely and wholly by fear. Now, there's a couple of times that we should fear. There are. In the book of Jonah... Jonah was told to go do something, and he didn't. And so when we're told to do something, and we don't do it, it's kind of like mom and dad, isn't it? That we are accountable to our parents. But Jonah decided that he did not want to do what God had told him to do. Jonah was given a message by God. And Jonah was told by God who to go and preach to and deliver this message. But Jonah didn't want to. Jonah made other plans. And Jonah had several detours from God to get his attention. And the last one resulted in the swallowing of the fish. Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days as God was chastening Jonah for not doing what he had been called to do. So we should fear God if we don't do what we're called to do. We should also fear God if we are doing something that we're told not to do. So there's two areas that we should have fear. We should fear God. And in uh, Hebrews chapter, um, chapter 13, I believe it is, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that God chastens us because we're his and because he loves us and because he cares. 
And so if God chastens us when we either don't do what we should do or we do something that we shouldn't do, that's a real good sign. That's a real good indication. That's a good evidence that you're one of his. Because he's going to chasten you because he loves you and because he cares. There's a lot of fear tactics right now that are going on. And I don't know about you all. But even in, and it, 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 it grieves me, even in my own family, there are folks that are extremely gripped with fear because that's all they hear. That's all they hear over and over every day. There are fear tactics that are going on. And they can't understand why I'm not fearful. And they sometimes think I just don't get it. And they try to convey their fear to me. And then it can be conveyed that we might think that we're not being prudent because we are not fearful. And that's truly not the case. Okay, let's look at some verses that address this right here about fear. Fear thou not. Then he tells us why. For I am with thee. He says, first of all, you don't have to fear because God is with you. So as we begin to look at it, let's realize as there's plenty of things around us that would cause us to fear that we don't have to fear because the good news is God is with us. God is for us. He says, for I am with thee. And then he says, and be not dismayed. Anybody here ever get dismayed? Well, he says we shouldn't be dismayed because God is with us. And he says that we shouldn't be dismayed because God says, I am your God. So he says, don't fear. Don't be dismayed because I'm your God. And he says, then he tells us and he says, and I'm going to strengthen you. One thing about fear is that it removes our energy or ability. And here God comes along. We are weak. We're weak by nature. We're weak by creation. We, we, we can't stand against the enemy. We know all of that. We're very, very weak. Yet, and God knows that. And so here's what he says. He says, you don't fear because I'm with you. You don't fear and be dismayed because I'm your God. He says, I'm going to strengthen you. He says, in fact, I'm going to help you. He says, and I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So he says, you're in a really good position right here. You're in the hand of God and he's going to hold you up and he's going to protect you and he's going to be with you. So if we go back to Nehemiah and we look at at Nehemiah, uh, some of the examples in Nehemiah uh, that that um, that I wanted to just highlight as we went on through Nehemiah in chapter two. The enemy comes along and he says that you're to be afraid because you don't have the ability You're to be afraid because the enemy is greater than you are. You're to be afraid because you don't have you have an ulterior motive and you should fear uh, you, you should have fear. 
And they even began to mock the Jews. And they said, the feeble Jews, they don't have ability. They don't have skill. In fact, as you create the wall and rebuild the wall, they said, even if a fox comes up and hits the wall, it'll knock it down. Well, that's pretty disheartening for someone to hear that. And then if you go on in chapter four and in chapter six, Sanballat and Tobiah begin to address uh, Nehemiah and they go up to him and they send ungodly reports to Nehemiah. They send reports to him and they say, uh, you're just trying to you're just trying to uh, be the king over the land. And Nehemiah would respond to him. And he says, this work that we're doing is of God and it is a good work. And Nehemiah would say, and he would remind us, he says, and by the way, the people have a mind to work. And he said, the people had a mind to build the wall and to work and the people were committed. But then the message would come along and they would get discouraged. Yet Nehemiah would go to the Lord and he'd say, Lord, Strengthen our hands for this good work. And then it goes on down and Nehemiah reminds them they weren't getting a lot of pay. They weren't getting a lot of pats on the back for the work that they were doing and and the work that they were engaged in. And Nehemiah said to him, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what keeps us going. That's what holds us up. That's what helps us along the way. But Sanballat and Tobiah just continued over and over in chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 8. Again and again and again to attack Nehemiah. And finally they said, Nehemiah, would you, would you just come down and talk to us? And Nehemiah sent the report back and he said, the work that I have is too great. It's of God. God's put it in my heart to do. And I don't have time. Then they created these wild stories. And they said, would you just meet us in the house of the Lord? And Nehemiah responded and he said, I know that that message is not of God. So we need to have wisdom in being able to discern is the message of God or not. There's a lot of messages that you can hear right now that are not of God. And Nehemiah recognized that. Now, I just want to fast forward a little bit in the book of Nehemiah. And you can you can go through and read all of this. It's a great book to read. And Nehemiah is a, a great hero. When they built the wall, when they rebuilt the gates and they put the gates upon the hinges and they secured the city. The next thing that they did after they had labored diligently and faithfully, after they stood against the enemy for so long, the next thing they did is they had a big church meeting. They called the people together and they began to rejoice. They began to sing praises and it said that they, the noise was heard afar off, the praises that they were singing because God had blessed them and God had been with them and God had delivered them. And they had, they, had a, they had a revival meeting, you might say. And I'm borrowing that from some of our friends. But they had a wonderful, wonderful meeting. You know, I got to thinking, maybe that's what we ought to plan. Is a big church meeting. I think probably May would be a good time that if we had to meet outside, we could. We could do that. 
You can invite your family, the Mosleys, to come up. We'll invite some other folks to come and we'll pick a weekend in May and have a great big church meeting. That has a way of just fixing a whole lot of things, does it not? When you can look forward to the meeting and when you can experience it, the fellowship, the rejoicing in the Lord, it's a great, great blessing. Well, the fear tactic did not work against Nehemiah. Nehemiah stayed strong in the Lord. And Nehemiah had to be strong in the Lord in order to lead the people. In Psalm chapter 27, and all throughout the book of Psalm, it's addressed here in great detail. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? He says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. He says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And then he says in verse four, and then he says again in the latter part of the chapter, He says, one thing that I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. David says, why should I be afraid? The Lord is my light. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my salvation. He says, I'm not going to fear man or what man can do. And then he says, and this will help us if we take that, if we take that time frame that we're dedicating to fear, they say, and I can relate to this, that men categorize things. And, and, and I don't know if women do or not, but men categorize things. So if I'm going to have fear, I'm going to have it for 45 minutes over here, and then I'm going to move on to something else. Well, take that time that you're going to categorize fear and think about the Lord and some of the things that the Lord tells us right here, and it will minimize the fear that you have. Look what he says. The psalmist David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. Well, we desire a whole lot of things, don't we? Doesn't mean that we don't desire to have a wonderful family. Doesn't mean that you don't desire to have a home to live in. Doesn't mean that you don't desire to have a job to be able to provide for your family. Doesn't mean that you don't desire to have good health. Be like Sister Perry, live to be 104 and still just rejoicing in the Lord. What it means is there's one priority above everything else. David desired a family. David desired other things in his life, but there was one thing that was his greatest desire. And look what he says. David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And he says, and that will I seek after. You know... Our our desire is made manifest to a great degree by how diligently we're seeking it. It does. Look what David said. 
David said, there's one thing that I've desired of the Lord. And he says, I'm going to seek after it. And he says, here it is. One thing that I've desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold, the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. He says, I desire greatly in my life to be in the house of the Lord with the Lord. I desire to be in the presence of God. I desire to worship God. I desire to inquire in his temple. I desire to behold the beauty of the house of the Lord. He says, I've desired one thing. Doesn't mean that he doesn't desire other things. It means that the greatest desire that he has is to be with the Lord, is to know the Lord, is to be with the Lord's people. Is to inquire in the house of the Lord. Verse 5 says, For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of the tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. That sounds like that the Lord is going to take care of us. The Lord is going to watch out for us. The Lord is going to hold us up. And he is our rock and he is our fortress. I love the latter part of this chapter. It's really good. Teach me, verse 11, thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. I like that. Lord, would you lead me in a path that I can understand? Would you lead me in a path that I get it, that I recognize it, that I know? Lord, lead me in a plain path. He says, because of mine enemies, keep me close to you. Keep me on the path where I can serve you. He says, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such that breathe out cruelty. Then the last two verses are really, really good here. David said, I would have fainted when I got discouraged. When fear took over, I would have fainted. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. What's the opposite of a fearful heart? Good courage. It is. He says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34 Verse, uh, the, all the verses are really good. Let's go to, let's go to verse 3 and especially verse 4. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt. Let us look at and exalt and, and meditate on. Let us exalt his name together. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Now, if, if you have a fearful heart, here's a real good prescription for you right here. If, if you hear a report, if you hear news that's unsettling, if you hear something that's disturbing, if you get a doctor's report that's not what you wanted it to be, the first thing that you do right here is you go straight to the Lord. You take it to the Lord. Because it's amazing how that God not only can, but he does. 
put you in the path of the right counselors. He can put you in the path of the right doctors. He can put you in the path of the correct physicians. He can put you in the path of people and bless them with abilities to make a difference. So when you have something that comes your way that is unsettling, you run to the Lord and you take it to the Lord. He says, I sought the Lord. Here's some good news. If you take it to the Lord, he's going to hear you. He said right here, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he says, and he delivered me. Now, maybe you have a few fears that are tucked away over here. You've dealt with the majority of them, but you still have some fears. Or maybe you see something or you read something or you hear something and all of a sudden fear kicks in again. Well, look what he says right here. He says, I sought the Lord. The Lord heard me and he delivered me out of some of my fears. No, he says, and he delivered me out of all my fears. Well, that's pretty good news to know that God hears us. He said, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me out of all of my fears, out of all of my fears. Verse eight. Uh, Let's start with verse six. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. The Lord delights to hear the prayer of his saints. The Lord delights to hear the prayer of the poor. He says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them, delivereth them. Two things right here. He says, he says, the Lord, the poor man says the Lord heard him. The Lord saved him from his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now, we don't we don't see the angels. I think sometimes we can see the effects of the angels. But God has angels all around us. Probably right now. He does that are encamping round about us. And they're for us. They're not against us. He says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And then this is really good. He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. We're to fear God for his awesome power, but we're not to be overtaken with fear from those that are around us that would manipulate and ruin our lives if they possibly could with fear tactics. We're to fear God because he is and has all power and he's in control. And we realize as we look at our own lives that we miss the mark so many times. And yet we are thankful that we have a loving, merciful, gracious God that's compassionate for us. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's Paul giving counsel to a young man. This young man... Has been, Timothy has been called of God to deliver the gospel. 
And he addresses Timothy in a variety of ways, but he starts out and he, he says, Timothy, I'm thankful for the faith that you have. And he says, Timothy, I saw that faith, the same faith that you have. I saw it in your mother and I saw it in your grandmother. I want to encourage mothers and grandmothers because right here, mothers and grandmothers are recognized for their faith. The Bible is the inspired word of God and God could have put anything in there or left anything out that he wanted to. But he takes special note to godly mothers and godly grandmothers. And he says, Timothy, I see the faith that you have. And he says, Timothy, I see that it's the same faith, the same type faith that your mother had, that your grandmother had. And he said, I see it in you as well. But he says, Timothy, you're about to engage in a tremendous work. I can't tell you, Timothy, all the things that you're going to experience, all the things that are going to come your way. I can't tell you, Timothy, all the things that are going to happen. But what I can tell you, Timothy, is that you don't have to be afraid as long as you're looking to the Lord. So look what he says right here. Timothy, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If we have the spirit of fear, it's not of God. It isn't. I wish a lot of folks could benefit from these promises. They're in God's Word. Because there are folks that, on a scale from 1 to 10, that are struggling with fear right now, they're about 11. They are. Now, some of them are not God's people. By the way, I'm just going to chase a little rabbit right here. There are some folks that don't want you to have Thanksgiving. But you know what? Some of those folks don't even believe in Thanksgiving. And they don't want you rejoicing in it. But for the Christian, we're not to be overcome with fear. Doesn't mean that we don't take every precaution that's known to take. Doesn't mean that we're not prudent. But what it means is that we're not going to be manipulated and directed with fear tactics. And Paul is telling Timothy right here, he says, Timothy, you're going to face a, a great work. I don't know what the fears were that came in the life of Timothy throughout his ministry. But Paul was equipping him right here and he said, Timothy, God has not given you or me the spirit of fear. So fear is not a tactic of God. We only fear and we should fear when we don't do what we should or we do something that we shouldn't. But Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to go out and I want you to serve and I want you to be strong in the Lord and I don't want you to be overtaken with fear. He says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power. That sounds like it's just the opposite of a fearful spirit. 
when we're overtaken with fear, our power is diminished. He says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Prudent. It is. Take precautions. You be mindful, but you don't be overtaken with fear. Great, great example for us in in second, second Timothy. A couple more here if you want to jot them down. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. We'll start with verse six. It's really verse seven what we want, but verse six is very important right here. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now. If we don't humble, this clearly says humble ourselves. So if it tells us to humble ourselves, we must be able to do that in some fashion. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, if we don't humble ourselves and we end up being like Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, then God has an effective way of humbling us. And it's different for every single one of us. God knows what it takes to humble each one of us. The bottom line is God wants us to be humble before him. And he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He says that in that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then he says, and here's where the absence of fear comes in. He says, casting, not some, casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel better to know that. And by the way. When I'm preaching this message about fear, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you because I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. And probably I need it more than you do. And maybe that's why the Lord put it on my heart. I hope it might benefit you. You may not be fearful. You may not have things that bring about fear in your life. And and praise God if you don't. But if you do, here's some good verses to lean on and glean from if you happen to. He says right here, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And he says, taking all your care and casting it upon him for he careth for you. He says, be on guard, be sober, be vigilant. He says, be mindful. He says, don't take a break, be diligent. He says, be sober, be be vigilant. He says, and here is why. He says, because your adversary, hate to tell you, hate to remind you, I know you already knew it, but you have an adversary. And he says what his name is. You have an adversary, the devil. And he says, he's going about as a roaring lion. He's walking about, he walketh about, and his purpose is he wants to devour you. He doesn't want to just give you a hard road. He doesn't want to just get you a little bit off the path or off the off the the course. He wants to devour you. And I tell you what, he would devour us if it wasn't for 
being in the hand of the Lord. Sometimes I'll walk by folks that have a um, a pit bull. Maybe at the airport. Now they're requiring that they cage them. But I haven't seen a cage that's really strong enough, in my opinion, to hold a pit bull. And I really haven't seen a leash that I felt like was quite strong enough to do it. Can I tell you something? The devil's a, hot, a whole lot more powerful than a pit bull. Now, if you have a pit bull, forgive me, I, I've, I've known some that had you know, pets and, and maybe you have a unique relationship there. But I tell you what, with the devil, he's worse than a pit bull. There's nothing that the devil desires that's for your good whatsoever. None whatsoever. He says he's going about seeking whom he may devour. He says, I want you to resist him steadfastly in faith. He said, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren are in the world. But God, but the God of all grace, who hath called us to eternal life by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, will make you perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. It's amazing how that if we hold to the promises of God, it says it's going to strengthen us. It's going to make us perfect. It's going to establish us. And it's going to strengthen and settle us. Remember one of my grandmother's old-fashioned terms that she would say if she saw someone that was disturbed, she'd say they're unsettled. Well, the things about the Lord can settle you. It can settle you down. It really can. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. A couple more that you might want to hold on to that are really, really good. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and ye have overcome them. Who's them? Well, he doesn't say who them is in this particular case. You can look at your life and consider who them is. But he says, Ye are of God, little children, and you've overcome them because greater is is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So them is in the world. But it may be them may be somebody different for Sister Peggy than it is for a Sister Janet. You look at those that would bring about fear tactics and desire to overcome you or hinder you and realize that ultimately a lot of it is motivated by Satan himself, the roaring lion that's going about seeking whom he may devour. And he says, he says, little children, be reminded that you're of God and that God is in you and that greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Now, when Peter began to follow Christ and he began to walk on water, and then when he began to look around him, he got real discouraged, real disheartened, and he began to sink. And the Lord told him, he says, be not afraid. Now, he encouraged him in his faith to strengthen his faith. But I tell you what, if we can just know that God is with us and God is for us and God is holding us up and that we're in the hand of God, it'll sure help us 
keep from becoming overtaken with fear. It will. Now there were some followers of Christ that became fearful. And it's possible that we can be, I won't say overtaken, but hindered by fear along the way. And Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, He says, I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. His disciples didn't want Him to leave. They felt, they felt by His presence, they felt a peace and an encouragement and a blessing of Him being with them in bodily form. He says, I'm going away. But he says in verse 14, I mean, verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, let not. So if we've done it, it just simply means we oughtn't to do it any longer. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in in me. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go and prepare a place for you. And he says in verse 3, and I'm coming back to take you where I am. And then he comes down and he says something here. He says that he is going to leave something in his absence that you and I have today. So rather than me just give you a bunch of words that have no benefit. There's something else that you have that helps you to realize that these words are true and that they make a difference. He says, I'm going away in a bodily fashion. But he says, the good news is I'm coming back for you. So one of these days, all this stuff is going to come to an end. And what a day it truly will be. But until then, the reason we're still here is because God wants us here. God has a purpose for us. And God has a design in our being here. Otherwise, Lord's had plenty of opportunities to take us on home. He does. He's in charge of the very next breath that we have. And yet He gives us the breath. He gives us this world to live in. But look what He says right here. He says, I'm going away. He says in verse 16, he says it twice here in this chapter. And I will pray that the Father, that he shall give you another comforter. And that he shall be with you. And he describes it here. And he says, even the spirit of truth. Now, this is one reason. Now, let me me say two things right here. This is one reason that... I'll say the world. I'm not saying it's everybody in the world, but many folks in the world that don't know the Lord, that don't have the Lord, they're not going to have this comfort. But I'll tell you, it was being told to the disciples and the followers of Christ because sometimes we forget about it. There's a lot of God's people that are overcome with fear that simply need to be reminded of what Christ has done for them and done in them and going to bring them home to glory. Look what he says right here. He says, I'm going to give you another comforter. 
And he says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. He says, there's some that can't receive it. He says, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. He says, there's some that they don't have that comfort. Because they don't know the Lord and they can't see the Lord. But he says, but ye know him. The difference is that you know the Lord. You know the Lord because of what God has done in your heart. You know the Lord because of the spirit that's been placed within you. You know the Lord. And he said it makes a big difference. Look what he says right here. He says they don't see him. They don't know him. But he says, but you know him. And he says, here's how you know him. Because he dwells within you and shall be in you. You know the Lord because he knew you first. And because he planted his spirit within you and he dwells within you. And so there's a great big difference right here. And Christians need to be reminded of the promises of God. And then here's what he describes this comforter in a little bit more detail. Verse 26. But the comforter. Big, wonderful name. I like the name comforter. I do. But the comforter. John, this will tell you who the comforter is. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's made you alive in Christ Jesus. He planted his spirit within you and made you alive. And he said, live and you live. And because you have the comforter dwelling within you, it makes a huge difference. And for those that have the comforter dwelling within, we just need to be reminded over and over and over again. Not to fear, because the Lord is in us, and the Lord is for us, and the Lord is with us, and there's not anything that's happening outside the knowledge of God. And God cares for His people, He cares for His children, and He desires good for you. Does it mean the road's going to be smooth all the time? No. But it sure means that we can bear it, knowing that the Lord is with us, and He's inside of us. Look what he says. But the Holy, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, he shall bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. That's pretty good. He says it will bring it to remembrance. Isn't it amazing how when we're singing these songs and they minister to us, it's bringing us to remembrance of some of the promises and experiences of God in the past. When we hear his word, it's not anything new. God's word is proven and tried. And we just need to hear it over and over and over again. I love the song that Brother Cook called out. Grace is a charming sound. I, I almost changed my topic this morning and preached just simply about grace. Because I love grace so much. And I just rejoiced in the message of grace in that song. It reminded me again. And he says right here that the Holy Ghost brings you into remembrance of whatsoever things I've said unto you. And then this is really, really good. Peace I leave with you. Now, wouldn't you like to hear a message like that? I mean, really. 
I, I don't think you're going to find it on the television. I haven't. I haven't searched a whole lot, but I have not found it. He says, peace, I leave with you. But I tell you where you will find it, you'll find it in God's Word. You start getting worked up, you start getting distressed, you first of all run to the Lord. Then you take His Bible and you look at His promises. And if you want to, if it helps, you can write your name in front of those promises. Because those promises are for you, for each one of us. He says, peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you. He says, by the way, it's not the same type of peace that the world gives, that I give unto you. And then he says this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. May God bless you.